Welcome to the Seat Go Create podcast. This is Tim Winders, your host. I'm a coach for business owners, executives, and leaders. And typically, my wife and I consider ourselves nomads. We live, travel, and work in our 39-foot RV. Today, I'm actually stationary. I am, uh, and I'm not sure that I like it. I'm visiting my parents. We're kind of helping out with some health challenges, but that's where I'm recording my portion of the podcast. And uh, so my wife and I are looking forward to becoming, to getting back in our RV and traveling again soon. One thing that I'd like for you to do if you're listening in, make sure that you listen to the end of the podcast. We will include ways that you can continue the conversation that we will start today by connecting with us directly. So make sure you stay to the end. We actually have some special bonuses and incentives for you if you stick around and respond to some of the things we mentioned at the end. Today... We have Case Lane as our guest. What a cool name she has. Case, and listen to this intro, Case is a global writer, entrepreneur, traveler, we'll have fun with that conversation, and observer to the future. Case, welcome to the Seek Go Create podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> yes, great to have you here. All right, this is the first question I ask. You, you know if you've mm -hmm. listened in, and everybody knows this, I like to ask people, what do you do? You know, I've got, I actually had a long bio, but I just decided I loved your short bio because it was okay. so intriguing. <laughs> but, uh, but we're, you know, we bump into each other. We might be on an elevator. We might not. I don't know if people can ride elevators now, but let's say we're on an elevator. We've got about 20 seconds. What do you do? I prepare aspiring online entrepreneurs. <laughs> so I'm the founder of Ready Entrepreneur and the emphasis is on getting ready. It's all about understanding the online business landscape before diving in and just trying to sort of get into the internet and then have everything thrown at you and not be you know ready and knowing what you want to do next yeah and how timely it is that in the world that we're in today that uh that really everyone should be online or at least have mm -hmm. options and flexibility mm -hmm. and that is really really cool so so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about all that. But before yeah. we get into a lot of those things, Case, one of the things I've been doing th during this interesting time that we're in is just asking people, number one, kind of give us a snapshot of where you are and how you are and the people around you. And mm -hmm. uh, I think before we clicked on, you mentioned you were in the Vegas area, but, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. but just give us a little bit of, you know, we're recording this. I'll go ahead and let people know we're recording in late summer. It probably will releasing, you know, as we head into the fall, but tell us how you are and how things are going. Yeah, I am in Las Vegas um, it, right now. I am actually from Southern California, but I actually had a global laptop lifestyle before uh, everything shut down. I traveled the world and I would go off and on working in one place. I'm a writer, so I would like to stay in one place and write, and then I would travel for a while. So I started coming to Las Vegas to write. I know everyone's like, what? <laughs> why, why would you waste Las Vegas on writing? But <laughs> uh, everything, the rest of the city is lost on me. It just happens to be a quiet matter manageable place in my book. So um, I come here and write and that's what happened this time. I had come back to write and ended up now I'm still here and it's hot and it's um, so it's a city that of course where, where people cannot work from home. Most of them cannot. It's a city so dependent on visitors and tourists and restaurants and shows and just so it, it's a difficult time here 
for so many people. People are starting to come back, but of course there's a fear about, you know, what that means to have a lot of people coming and going. So it's a really, it's a, it's a difficult time, but um, it's a resilient city and uh, will be great to see, you know, hopefully as, as we're able to revamp and get things going again, you know, hopefully we'll be able to see everything come back. Cause it is fun. I know, I know it's a fun place, even though I come here to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so difficult because, you know, a place like Las Vegas, there's just some places that do not lend themselves to, I've been calling it responsible distancing or social distancing. Mm-hmm. They just do not, mm-hmm. listen, a casino is built off the energy of a bunch of people yeah. being in one place. Restaurants are kind of the same way. The strip, yeah. all of that yeah. is just not built for this time that we're in. And Right. You know, I love going up and down. I'm not a, I'm not a gambler. I love restaurants and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I love the mm-hmm. energy and the structures and all. So anyway, that's, that's difficult. It's actually been a year yeah. or so since I've been there, but is yeah. it, is it an okay place for a, um, a traveler? I use the word nomad, but, but I yeah. mean, I mean, I, I could see on our, on our video here that you've got a good spot there, but I mean, so you're okay though, just hunkering down and getting some work done, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, this is what for the last couple of years, I would come here and work for like three or four months at a time. Now, this is the first time I've been here so so much longer. And also, I don't think I've been here in the heat of summer before, (laughs) because, you know, it's, it's well over 100 degrees every day. So, but I would say because it compared to Southern California, which I, where I have a lot of friends and everything, a lot more distractions there for me. So coming here, I don't know. I know a couple of people, but not too many. And it's not like I'm going to be going out and doing different things. So, you know, and you could get around if you're going for groceries, it takes 15 minutes, you know, that type of thing. So I, I like that. I like that I can just come here. Obviously, there's a huge um hotel and and you know temporary residence industry here so you could get some good deals on a place to stay and all of that so I, uh, I like that. And it's just very manageable. It's just easy. And and, um, and then if I did want to go to California for any reason, well, I, I mean, I, the border is still open as of today, as far as I know. But uh, if something was happening, if, you know, something I could just go over and, and, and be in L.A. again within four hours or so. So, yeah, uh, you but, could, for now, but that hasn't happened lately. <laughs> yeah, you could just buzz down through there and, and do yeah. a quick stop at the, is it the Mad Greek right there in Barstow, I think. and. <laughs> Yeah, I, I used to want to uh, stop know, there every time on that drive. And right, the last right, time right. I went through, I'm going, you know, I don't think I need to stop here anymore. It's not <laughs> as good as I thought it was. Yeah, a few things you could just do the one time and now you can say, <laughs> okay, it's done. <laughs> so so quick logistics question, though, and you can yeah. give us as much info as you want. But um, mm-hmm. because I've mentioned this before, my wife and I, we do not have a permanent home mm-hmm. or a physical location Mm-hmm. We travel and have been doing that since 2013. There was a short period of time where we were in Bible school that we had an apartment up in the Colorado Rockies. But uh, do, do you have a physical location or you, you mentioned hotel space. So do you, when you travel, how do you travel? This is something I did not plan to ask. So yeah. <laughs> t- tell me more about that because I'm always curious about that. Sure. Yeah. What I do, I'm the quick version is that, so I like extended stay hotels. So those are the type of hotel room that includes a kitchen and, and so on. So that you, it's like a little apartment. So I basically in a little studio apartment and in a, what's nice about a building like this one, it's got laundry on every floor, you know, all those kinds of, you know, parking is free. You, you know, so you don't have to worry about, um, you don't have to pay utilities, you know, you've got your everything, you got cable, you got internet, all that sort of stuff. So 
that's really good. And it's a controlled building. It's managed building. It's secure. It's safe. And, and all of that as well, which is always important too when you're traveling and you're on your own. So I like that. And then in terms of my, until last year, I actually owned a house in Southern California, which was rented out. So um, that's been sold now. And I ended up putting my things in storage. So that's where most of my stuff. So everything that I've got with me is whatever fits in the car. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. when we when we kind of went homeless nomad in 13, we loaded a few things in our van mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and traveled and we did house sitting and we did Airbnbs. Yeah. Yeah. And then we jumped over and did that in Australia, New Zealand for about oh, nine cool. months. Nice. And, nice. and, you know, we got an apartment for a brief period of time. And then we said, mm -hmm. you know, we really like that less is best and minimalist, yeah. essentialist, whatever terms you want to use. And it sounds mm -hmm. like that's your style. And yeah. all right. So I didn't plan this. It became either. my style. Sorry. Yeah, so Case, yeah. I've got a question. Yeah. I mean, I, sure. listen, I know you've been very prolific in writing and mm -hmm. creating. How does that impact your creativity? It, it actually helps a great deal. I, I keep telling people, I wish I'd learned to be a minimalist when I was like, you know, 16 or something. Besides saving a lot of money, um, it would have just, it takes all of that activity out of your life when you just don't have a lot of stuff. So, I mean, I work out my laptop, you know, I have to keep the laptop, be, be nice to the laptop. That's, that's where everything happens. But um, it gives me a chance to just, break everything down to what I really want to be doing in terms of the work I want to be doing. If it's um, writing a book or reaching out to people, you know, now we all use Zoom to communicate and so on. So, and I just could do everything that way and I don't have to worry about anything else. And so I end up um, not focusing on having stuff or getting new stuff. It's very, I mean, what, what would I order? Well, I ordered a microphone, you know, a couple of years ago. Like, um, I get books. Um, actually, I had a, well, what bad incident. This is not typical, but I had a lot of my clothes were stolen out of the laundry after I said, it's a nice secure building. This was, this is one of these strange things that happened. It's so rare. And um, so that was like, okay, you know, I'll slowly start rebuying all these clothes. Of course, the stores are closed and everything, but it's sort of, coincidentally I didn't have to run out and buy a ton of clothes because I wasn't going out all the time so I could just sort of do that so someone you know. stole someone stole your laundry yeah. huh yeah you know, sometimes I get it it's you know, it's in a busy area and you just get people who can the, every floor is locked but you know how people sort of walk in behind somebody and that kind of thing so someone would get about three black t-shirts if they stole my <laughs> wardrobe so all right. So there are two or three things that just shot off and like typical, I've got all these questions and we're yeah. going down a place now that I didn't even list out because you brought Here. up distractions. You mentioned yes. distractions earlier and yeah. then you talk about your lifestyle eliminates mm -hmm. quite a bit. Mm -hmm. My first just maybe short question is, do you consider yourself a minimalist or an essentialist or a, or is there a word that you use to describe um, that lifestyle for you? Yeah. And again, I'd say this is all new in terms of my whole life was not like this at all. And I wish it had been, but, and I don't think I'd even fit Marie Kondo's definition of a minimalist. I don't okay. think I'm minimalist enough for her, but, but I do try and minimize stuff. Sure. And so when you don't, for, I, I don't have a house right now. Like when you have a house, 
it's like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll buy a new bookshelf at Ikea or something, you know, just to, why not? Something to do on a Saturday afternoon. Like you said, you start doing these things like, oh, I'll, I'll fill in this space. You know, that's how you start to think when you have a house. And when you don't, well, you want your, as much room around you as you can. I like to have one of the reasons I like where I'm staying is it's a nice big desk. And I like to have, you know, things laid out nicely. And, and so you end up just not purchasing things anymore and you realize like wow i never had to do that in the first place i mean i've traveled around the world and i like to have a souvenir of the countries i've been to but i mean i've got all sorts of things (laughs) and i just you know when you think about it it's like i didn't why why was i buying all these things (laughs) well because you have space for it you just brought it up you know we uh i'm sitting here and i think right before we push record i told you i'm i'm here at my parents home Mm -hmm. and a tree fell behind where Mm -hmm. i'm recording right now a few days ago it didn't hit the house or anything but so about the time that you and i were getting on the line the guy showed up to start cutting it with his chainsaw which may or may not be picked up but but those are just an example of things that occur you know my parents Mm -hmm. have an Mm -hmm. acre and a half here Mm -hmm. they're getting older and can't take care of it and and I'm walking around here just seeing stuff that needs to be done yeah when I have a book that I'm finishing myself yeah and you know what I need to be thinking about the book not the tree that's yeah. actually pretty good. I probably need to I probably need I like a yellow sticky for that. Think about the book, <laughs> not the tree. But right. when we lived in a big home, I would walk around all the time and think about all the stuff. Yeah. And so here's an interesting sidebar yeah. related to this. When we did have an apartment for a very short period of time, a couple of years, mm-hmm. we we did not get any drawers. We did not oh. get a dresser or anything. Okay. Because what happens when you have drawers? Fill them up. Yes. Yeah. You fill them up. <laughs> you absolutely. I mean, it's Parkinson's law. I'm an engineer, and Parkinson, mm-hmm. I think, did research with submarine, you know, and all that. And he said, whatever amount of space you have, mm-hmm. we will fill it up. So, yeah. anyway, well, I'm so, it's so cool. I didn't even pick that up when I was doing some research on you. <laughs> okay. So, because uh, you are extremely prolific in books you've written and your thought process is so cool. I want to read one thing, mm-hmm. though, that caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a description that went something like this. Sexy, steamy, real, <laughs> and virtual romance novels. And you wrote six of those. Yes. <laughs> Wait, let me repeat that because, you know, being a minister and a follower of Christ, it -hmm. just kind of sounds bad. Sexy, steamy, real, and virtual romance novels. And you wrote six of them. Tell us about those, Case. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's wonderful you picked up on it because I do enjoy writing in different genres. And I always tell people the overall umbrella of everything I do is prepare for the future. Mm. So I, when I started writing the romance books, I also write future world thrillers. And the romance books, one of the things that I have found so interesting, which has become even more of an issue right now that everybody's at home, is this whole idea of how we use all digital for relationships. How the internet plays a role in relationships and how we've had to learn to interact with people online and I, I don't I can't tell you exactly when it came into my head the whole theme of the Ravencross romance suspense series 
but I decided I wanted to write about this, but in a, in a sort of a fun way. Um, the books are sexy, Stevie, but they're also, you know, romance, they're, you know, no, no cheating or anything like that. And it's about people, so the, it's the cast, crew, and fans of a popular show who also interact with each other through an online game. Oh. So you get the romance that goes on behind the scenes, and then there's one on screen, and then there's something going on online that involves all those people. So that's the connection. And it was just, um, it's, it's, I just thought it would be a, an interesting way to explore what's going on with what digital relationships. And now that this has all become like this thing now that people are all wondering, what's the future of romance and everything else that, now that everybody's all online? Um, so it's just, it's a fun, and also because it celebrates, I worked in Hollywood for years, and it sort of celebrates my time in Hollywood. I write about, you know, creating a show and being behind the scenes and that type of thing as well. And the other part, that another group look, lives in Las Vegas, so I include that as well. So I, it all comes together in terms of uh, different things that I do, and I, but it's, it's just all part of the bigger story around how we use technology, how it's become so, you know, such a major part of our lives, and we're just living our lives online now. Yeah, that is, that is so interesting. <laughs> now, one thing that was also intriguing about this, because I've recently gone through this thought process myself with a novel that mm -hmm. I'm working on, okay. you have a pen name for that series. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I've always been curious, and there's a lot of people that have always used pen names. Yes. I've always been curious, is that, I don't want to say, was it because you didn't want your name associated with them? That's not, I don't think, the right question. <laughs> but did you think it had something to do with your brand? Did you almost want to be writing as a different person or what? Give me some of the mental thought process behind a pen name or practical. I mean, if there's a practical reason for it, I'm just yeah. curious. All of the above. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Tell yet. us about it. I have multiple pen names. And, and uh, so I'll go with the practical first. My name is too difficult for everyone to pronounce. So I knew, and I was in law school when I started ebook self publishing. So, and, and I have a, a long professional life. I was a diplomat, I was a management consultant, corporate executive law school. So from the beginning that I started um, online and self-publishing and everything, I wanted to use a different name because at the time I was keeping everything separate. Yeah. And then I, as I continued to build out the business and everything, I had started to build my social media following and so on. So I just kept going down that road. And it's not... I also like the brand. I always say I'm like P. Diddy. He has six different brand names. <laughs> and so that's what I'm doing <laughs> because I think that's important too. I think yeah. you, you do want to have a brand. I always say to people, you're absolutely right that there is a long history of people using creative names. And in fact, there's so many people you don't even know. Like I was listening to Madeline Albright on Tim Ferriss's podcast, and she was saying how that's not, you know, her legal name is a different different name. It's a, and because, um, you know, over time, it, 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 she has a, I think she's from the, the Czech Republic, right? So, and, it, and that's very common, especially for Americans, because uh, we're too lazy. And so not like other countries where people learn to pronounce names. I was a student in Singapore. Singapore has four official languages. So everybody learns how to pronounce names right from, you know, kindergarten. Whereas here in the U.S., people will be like, oh, 
I don't want to say it. I don't, you know, they're afraid and so on. And so, and of course, there are tens of millions of Americans who had their names changed at Ellis Island, and they might not even know that they did. So I think it's just, it's all combinations of different things. And I think when you're, when you are in a creative world and you are the one, you know, especially now the way that we work online, you have to be the, the greatest supporter of everything that you do. And you, you have to be the one who is able to get your message out to people to market and promote and to connect. So you have to be comfortable doing that. Yeah. So whatever I always, whatever way you want to present yourself then is the way to do it. Because otherwise, if you don't have that feeling that you're really behind your own self, <laughs> then nobody else is going to connect with you either. So I always just say, pick any way that you want to present yourself, any name you want to use, any brand name, your logo, all of that. Make sure you feel good about it. You like it. You, you know, you want to say it because then it becomes, you know, just a bigger part of your whole brand. And I think that's absolutely important. Too. That's, that's really interesting. This will kind of tell you obviously how maybe not creative I am and creativity is something that I am mm -hmm. always working on and attempting, but my full name is Timothy. Mm -hmm. And so when I was finishing up my novel recently, I decided I was going to, instead of just being Tim, mm -hmm. Timothy just sounded more, I don't know, mm -hmm. professional or whatever. So I went yeah, in on all yeah. my socials and I changed from Tim to Timothy and, okay, and, okay, and you yeah. know what, it's real interesting. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I just recently changed the last social back to Tim because I just <laughs> never could own there you go. the Timothy. So I don't know. Yes. And you know what, maybe I felt at times a little bit, I don't think fake is the right word. I'm like, well, you know, I've been Tim for 56 years here yeah, yeah. and maybe I'm just Tim. I mean, does it, does it have anything to do with identity also? Is it an identity thing too? Yeah, I think it's all of these things. I mean, I don't know if you can really pinpoint it because, um, you know, you don't, nobody chooses their name. And then it also depends on where you are. Like I say, if you're in Singapore and you grew up with one name, you know, it doesn't matter because everybody will pronounce it fine. And, and so you kind of adjust. And I know some people um, are kind of, um, I, I guess they want to preserve like culture or things like that, which is fine as well, you know, whatever you like to do. But again, I always think it comes back to how, your own comfort level and like you say like if you feel like felt like you know what i'm just gonna switch it all back because it just doesn't feel right then that's fine that's fine because that's you know you own it it's your and that, that, that this is the thing about being online now you can be who you want to be you could do what you want it, it's um i tell people all the time in this online entrepreneurship world uh some people are afraid for example of calling themselves an expert they think, oh, I need to have a credential. I need to have a certificate. I need to have a diploma or something like that. And what's happening now online is people are becoming experts in things that are not credentialed, so to speak. So you could be an expert Instagram influencer, you know? So, and that comes from your experience. 
It comes from what you have done. It comes from the world you have built. And you can do that with so many other things. It could be um, helping people, you know, homeschool their children. It could be cooking. It could be dieting. It could be, you know, all gardening, like all these different things where the word expert now becomes a word around how much knowledge do you have? How much experience have, do you have? How much have you done? What have you been able to do? And if you've done more than somebody else, you're an expert to them because they're looking for that information and you have it. And that's the opportunity now that people have to go online and have an online business. Because if you have that knowledge, there's a group of people out there who want that knowledge from you. So it's the same idea that you can you, you could be position yourself, but you have to believe it. You know, you have to position yourself. You have to realize that you have this value that you could um, give to people. And then you can just go out there and, and present yourself as that person who can do that. Sure. So, and there are some skills and things with that. And, and I want us to go into, mm-hmm. there's a few things I want us to do as we progress here. I hope that we're able to cover all this. I want to go into mm-hmm. uh, your, your thoughts about the future because mm-hmm. you said you're an observer to the future. Yes. <laughs> and I know you've got an ebook, actually read through the ebook and a lot of the online business. I think you've got a lot of value to give to people, but I wanted to read something that I pulled, I think from, it might've been your longer bio and you've actually referred mm-hmm. to a few of these things mm-hmm. because one of the things I love to do cases, I love to kind of see how people have arrived at where they currently are. And I also believe we're all on a journey. So, you know, who we are two years from now is most likely different than who we are today in many ways. But I think I read, and you've already mentioned a few of these, you reporter, diplomat, digital Mm -hmm. media, corporate executive, lawyer. You've lived, studied, and worked in 10 different countries, and you've traveled to, or you're getting close to traveling to 100 countries, I guess, are there, what, 190, 193 in the world we're in mm-hmm. today? I don't know. Some countries are coming and going as we speak, yes, probably. Yes. We're adding more. <laughs> Unfortunately, maybe even the one we're in currently might be coming and going as we speak, you know, the biggest in the world. Anyway, so tell me about those things, whichever one you want to share, because what I love to get is some lessons learned, some things that made you who you are, uh, whichever one you want to, you want to go into, t- uh, talk to us about that. Well, I'll, I'll do the quick version of the of the entire journey, but, I, I'll, do, but I, I'll emphasize the quick version. I grew up in Canada, so I joined the Canadian Foreign Service, and I uh, traveled, I served in the Philippines, Colombia, and Chile. And I did mostly trade policy, uh, so I ended up talking to business people about international trade and decided I needed an MBA and went to UCLA, so that's where I ended up there, and I ended up going into corporate from there, into consulting. Were you a lawyer? Hol- Were you a lawyer initially? After. No, after oh, that's okay. that's actually okay, the sorry. last okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, Didn't mean right? to interrupt. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, no, I, it's I, a I long assume that lawyer started it all out. Keep going. Yeah, I, and I always joke with people: if I did the law first, I would not have gone back to college again after that. But mm. um, I did the MBA first, and probably at the time I would have done the JD MBA, but I wasn't sure about um, how if I could stay in the U.S. and all that type of thing. So I ended up working and and um, ended up. Um, you know, becoming a permanent resident and citizen after. And then I, I went to law school. I was in Hollywood working in digital media, talking to lawyers, uh, looking at, and this is where this issue again of how we're, we're changing as a society with the internet, because the issues were all around how do you protect the content in this digital world? 
you know, you're still spending $200 million making a movie, but now it sits on a server. And what does that mean? You know, so um, I found that so interesting and I started thinking about law school again and I decided it was a good time to sort of transition away from what I was doing. And I went to law school and while I was in law school, as I mentioned before, I did the, started the ebook self-publishing. So each time I've always had in the back of my mind, my interest in starting my own business that was always there. But like most people, you know, I got to make a living. So you do what you're supposed to do. You go to college and you start a career. And I picked glamorous, fun careers like the foreign service and Hollywood, uh, which was awesome. And I learned everywhere. I learned all along the way, but it was always in the back of my head that I wanted to run my own business. And especially because you get to a certain point, even in corporate, when you've got a big job and a free movie every week and all that kind of stuff, you're still like, there's going to be a point where if they don't give me control of the entire studio, you know, my, I'm going to, my, I want to be challenged. I want to keep doing different things. And, and in corporate, they want people to do what they need them to do. So you end up at a point where it's like, how do I get to do more? How do I get to, if I, if I can't move up here, how do I get to use my skills? And for me, that's starting your own business because now you are in charge of everything and you can, you can play your, obviously to your strengths. I'm a big believer in that. You play, you, you work, you do what you are good at. You can outsource the rest. So you, you use your management skills. You have an outsourced team, maybe around the world nowadays. And it just gives you that opportunity to do what you really want to do. So I take everything that I've learned from all of my work, all of my educational experience and so on. And I bring that all together every day in what I'm doing with my online business. Wow. So there's a, there's a word you briefly mentioned that mm -hmm. I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I'm trying to, I'm, as I'm thinking here, I'm trying to decide if I want to dive into your, you know, your future mm -hmm. observations I think I want to go the online route. So just kind of allow sure. me to kind of meander a little bit here. Sure. You brought up, you brought up the term control. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I have observed with clients and even myself in the world that we are currently in is that in February of 2020, many of us thought we had certain things under control, mm -hmm. but about a month later, we realized we had very little control. And I even read this morning where, you know, they're, they're estimating that one third of all restaurant small businesses in New York will not make it. And so yeah. these are physical geographic specific businesses. But do you think that you were almost being prepared for a time such as this? <laughs> Uh, I, I definitely did not predict this. <laughs> I, was gonna, well, I, was, I didn't want to put you on the spot and say, did you predict no, all this? But no. but were things being prepared for it? That might be a different way of thinking. Yeah, it. I definitely, what I write about is this, what, my book is series, my, my techno thriller series is called the Life Online book series. So that I write about that whole concept of being that everybody is functioning online. Now in my books, of course, they're thrillers. So that means the network is like controlling everything and something goes wrong and, you know, we have to save the day. But, um, but the general concepts, like the fact everybody working from home, for example, that's in my, I, that was in my book. I just assumed that's what was going to happen. And yeah, but I also got flying cars in there and I've got everybody connected to the network. So 
it, it's um, that piece of, of, and I think a lot of people have been talking about that. I mean, that piece of the future was coming at us anyway. But what I like to explore in my books, I, I, I don't do the hard science. I do the, the uh, hard civil society, so to speak. I focus on our, the impact on humanity. And the underlying theme in every book is this idea that the network has picked up on something that humanity does and is using it against us. And we're always trying to unravel this. And so what, because what I'm interested in is as we look at what's going on in the world is how do we as human beings adapt to this technology that we don't even understand? You know, like back way back when pretty much everybody, I think, knows that if you put a seed in the ground and water it and give it sunshine, it will grow and then you'll have some you'll be able to eat. And, you know, those kind of concepts, like way more people understood how to function in the world. And then as the technology became more and more sophisticated, fewer and fewer people understand. So in the industrial age, you could think about, you know, how many of us really know how our car engine works, you know, like, but, but there's probably more people that understand how AI works, right? Like, so we're, here we are in this situation, we're quite dependent on the technologists, but do the technologists even know what's going on? And so it's quite extraordinary when you think about like, where are we going with all of this? And it's not something we can control back in the day, you know, the kings and the leaders and all these people figure they can control everything. Now some kid sitting in, you know, a country on the other side of the world can just go click, 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 and then the lights go off, right? Like we, you know, it's a, it's a completely different set of possible scenarios. And I like to be an optimist, but I, so that's why I'm sort of saying, hey, like we should be as a society understanding at least that this is happening to a bigger extent than we do now, and then working through what that means to how we would adapt going forward. And I think some of the things that are happening, like online education, I'm a big supporter of it. I personally, you know, I went through a whole school system and I would have loved if somebody just said to me, here's what you need to learn, do it at your own pace, you know, get it all online. Um, I always joke that my favorite teacher of all time is Sal Khan, who runs Khan Academy. I've never met him, but I've taken a bunch of his courses. Wow. <laughs> and he's a great teacher. And so I, I, and I think that, you know, so now obviously online education is going to explode. It's, it's going to be the big, not just for an adult who wants to learn a new skill, but for a five-year-old who's just starting out. Sure. So some of these are some, yeah, these are some of the issues that I raised in the book and in some of some of the blogs I've written. So yeah, and I love that. I, I, gosh, one quick question about the mm -hmm. the the life online books. Mm -hmm. This is almost like a a creation type question. Mm. Do you create a world and then just write story in it, or do you start with story and the world kind of evolves around it? Like for example. Let's just use one that most people know. You know, George Lucas, when he did Star Wars, mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. he kind of was writing a Western set in space. Mm -hmm. And that world has now grown to where there's going to be movies coming out of the quote unquote Star Wars universe or the Marvel universe or anything. Mm -hmm. now, what's your I'm just curious about your process before I ask you a few other questions about what you yeah. just mentioned. Um, I, I would say it's it's world first, but I do have a sense of my characters that operate in that world. So I'm one of these writers who gets a story in my head and I'll just sit down and write it. I, I don't, um, 
I have a general idea of, you know, plot and so on that I have in my head. I don't outline fiction. I do outline nonfiction, but I don't outline my fiction. I just start writing and I don't get writer's block or anything like that. Like once I sit down to write, it's just coming out. The whole story is coming out. So I do have that general sense in my mind of what this world looks like. That And, and I also write life online books take place literally all over the globe. So in all these countries of the world. And I'm a big traveler, as mentioned. So I like to think about what does that country look like in this near future and incorporate that. And those that whatever country pops up in the story is whatever came into my mind at the time. Like, I don't think ahead of time, like, oh, I want a scene to take place in this country or that country. So that also, but I do keep in mind what the country is like today and what I think it's going to be evolving to in the future as I, it, as part of this general world, new world that I have envisioned um, that I keep calling the near future now, but it's going to be like the immediate world. I was going to say, it's like, is art imitating life or is <laughs> yeah, life imitating so. art all of a sudden here? Do you, do you write about places that you have not visited or do you write primarily about places that you have been and had some experience yeah, almost all of them are places I've been, but occasionally I'll put, throw, and again, that's because I'll throw in somewhere I've never been because again, it pops into my head <laughs> and I'll think, oh, I should have this character in Congo. Like, I, you know, just because I that this idea that there was this like French uh, control over these, of some of these computers, I thought that would be a good enough place to put them. And so, you know, because it's kind of out there and nobody would track down the technologists, the rogue technologists there, but I've never been to Congo. So I just had that in my mind and I just put that into the story. But for the most part, they're places I have been. That's, that's interesting. In, in the novel that I've just finished, there is uh, a, a decent amount of it is set in Costa Rica. And I've never been to Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. I did some research online and I was actually planning to take the trip that my main character had to take, which was from Texas oh, down yeah. there. And it was via vehicle too, by the way. Okay. Um, but it was very fascinating to me doing this. And I actually went through this whole integrity thing. I said, man, can I write about a place I've never been? Can I do that? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's fiction, right? We can do anything we want, can't we? Yeah, that's what I keep reminding people. <laughs> I and especially if it's future fiction, I always say, hey, maybe there is such a city on the coast that you've never heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I absolutely say, I think um, there's a line I want to quote, uh, I believe it's Peter Benchley who wrote Jaws, right? He said something like they asked him, why did you make the shark 25 feet long? And he said, it's fiction. <laughs> so yeah, Bruce the shark that Spielberg then made him made him real. So, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, gosh, a few things here. Mm -hmm. You mentioned when you were talking about AI earlier, I, actually the word algorithms came to mm -hmm. mind as something mm -hmm. that we don't understand. Yeah. And, and right now, it, this has been going on for years, but at the time of recording this, we're in an election year in our country. Mm -hmm. There's been, I think we could probably easily say we're at the height of divisiveness. And I'm always fascinated by how algorithms can confirm our biases. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I'll jump on, let's say, a social media right now. Mm -hmm. And and I've got political beliefs and thoughts like everyone else. I, I try not to. Mm -hmm. But yet I see something. I go, oh, everybody is thinking this. But yet, mm -hmm. no, they're not. What Do you ever play around with that in some of your storyline? Yeah, I mean, um, this is, 
this is the way things are being set up. And this is what we need to understand. And very few people understand it. Because first of all, the algorithms are proprietary technology, which is fine. So you actually means that you have to play with them to figure out what you think they're doing. <laughs> and so you need people who can do this scientific research the same way that they do research for everything else, just iteration after iteration after iteration, which takes a long time. And in the meantime, you have people, let's say very good marketers who know how to target and retarget audiences. They know the basics of how to do things. They know how to set up um, what they call lookalike audiences. So if, I, I don't want to get into the details of this, I, I but so let's say, do, oh yeah, yeah, you can set it, yeah. Like, I mean, it's creepy. Yeah, just the general idea. It's yeah. creepy and cool at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a great thing for marketers. So basically a marketer, if a if hundred people click on this, lookalike audiences will automatically find a hundred similar people to click like. So this is what people are doing now in marketing and so on. And I'm all, I'm still freaked out when I search for somebody on Google and then I go into Facebook and that person's ad pops up. You know, I'm like, why are those two talking to each other? <laughs> and because of all these things running in the background. So it's something that is just the critical to the way the future is going to work or well, the way things are working now, but it's going to become even more prolific in the future around things that become more and more important to people. It's not just going to be about who your friends are and what you shopped for yesterday. It's going to be about your health care your education, your, your taxes, your finances, like all these things are going to be, you know, even more and more refined as the algorithms are figuring out in the background what you're up to and what you want and what you don't want and so on. And again, we're going to have less and less information about it and understand. Then we have to think about what it means to us as a society, um, how we want to manage it. What do we, what do we think about it in general? We're just going to let it happen. We don't want to slow down the technology. I believe in progress. We, you know, let's get, we could, a lot of the technology can do a lot of good. I mean, some of the healthcare things that can figure out ahead of time what's going on and, you know, give you warnings and stuff like that. That's great stuff. Um, so we're just on this very, very delicate line. And unfortunately, you know, we don't have a it's, we can't expect the government to know how to do this because you know, they're not they're not going to be the ones. So there, it has to come from elsewhere. But but how do we get the, you know a, a group of people, I guess, or um, some forward thinking technologists that lead the way in, in in this? And that that's where these challenges are going to come. But I think as citizens, we have to be very much aware of, of where the issues are and what what's happening. Yeah, we recently had Congress at the time of recording this that called in. I think all the leaders of the big four, Google, yes. Facebook, Apple. And I read an article that said, do these congressmen even understand what they're asking? I mean, they understand some yeah. of the, you know, the antitrust and the different things like that. But all right, you wrote a guide mm -hmm. that you called it a guide to the future. I don't know that I saw a date. Do you know when you wrote that? Um, let's see, you, you, 2016, I would say. Okay. Wow, um, that was like yeah, forever ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was up. It's, but that, that's an early, um, what they call lead magnets that I had available for people to download and look at the different issues, different things that we're going to take. I, I know it needs to be updated. But. Well, that, that's fine, though, because I, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I'm fascinated by reading these. And I appreciate mm -hmm. people like you that put them out because... Yeah they can kind of give us a snapshot of number one, what were we thinking then? And mm -hmm. how close were we? Um, I mean, you went through a number of things, education, housing, privacy, mm -hmm. and surveillance in 2016, mm -hmm. law enforcement, food, aging, death, behavior. 
I mean, you may not recall it, but anything that you would change or, I mean, there were some things, listen, I, I will tell you, you were very, very, um, uh, prophetic in, <laughs> in many of those. And I think some of those things are still playing out. So any, yeah. any thoughts on future from that or where we are now? And then we're going to, as we finish up here, talk about online business and give some people some mm-hmm. tips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the biggest challenge in all of those areas is is what we've been talking about is how we're going to manage it. And I think we can only um, nurture the people who are thinking about these things, talking about them, working through them, let you know some of these ideas rise. And I also think that people who are not, but are deeply affected by some of these issues need to really pay more attention to them, especially things like education and healthcare. And not just from the sense of the traditional way of looking at these issues, but looking at the technology, what the technology can and cannot do and how it can be incorporated into the way you prefer to have these. So for example, the K through 12 education, um, my dream for all these kids out there who are like me, who wanted to just like do the work and not be bothered by the nonsense of, of the schoolroom setting. Yeah. My dream is that they can just, it's all there. They can go up online like if you are you know doing grade two reading but grade six math you should be able to do that like why are you forced to sit in a class and work at the same speed as as the average you know and so i'm hoping that that the the technology that's invented allows kids to just get and work at their own pace go through everything that they need to get that basic education be exposed to a lot more information because the education is so narrow now you know, just be able to take in as much as possible. There'll be some threshold, okay, you have to be able to read and write and add at a certain level, and then you're done, and you go on to whatever you want to do with your life. Um, so at that, I'd love to see. So, but of course, it's going to take resources. It's going to take, you know, there'll be tons of pushback, obviously, and, and but that's always been what we've had in, in our society, you know. People didn't want the automobile. They didn't want television. They didn't want all these things that, that have become so important to us over time. So, um, I, I would, I will keep going back to that document, obviously updated as time goes by, but the, the, the real thing I'm paying attention to now is, is who's having this discussion, who's doing these and who's really looking at it and making the changes, who's actually putting the resources into making the changes that we need. Yeah, that's, that's good. And, and what, one thing that came to me, you know, a lot of people do not want change. Mm-hmm. They, and, and you know, uh, I mm-hmm. could, I could be cynical in saying this. A lot of people have their power. They have yeah. their money. Yes. And, yes. uh, I'll, I'll give you one, the higher education system, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, post-secondary with colleges mm-hmm. and all, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. have been building massive buildings, have mm-hmm. been raising massive amounts of money where our daughter went to school in North Carolina. I talked to the mm-hmm. president there and I said, so you're the president of the university is actually, I'm an. I'm a guy that raises money and builds buildings. That's what I do. And he said it, he was a sales guy. So he kind of said it in a little bit of a funny way, but I went, yeah, I'm looking around going new buildings, new buildings. What is he thinking right now? Yeah. You cannot get that type of tuition from people when they're, this is my joke, when they're sitting in their mama's basement (laughs) online it's hard mm-hmm. to get a hundred K a year from them when they're taking a right. basic finance ca- class or something right. like that. Right? right. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, this has come out really in full force. It probably, I think for some people with a bit of surprise, but how quickly 
people said, I'm not going to pay for that. Like it's the recognition. I've gone to school. I'm, you know, a big fan of, of, of all education. I love knowledge. I love education. Like, you know, we've got to fill our brains as much as possible. We've got lots of capacity there. Um, so, uh, but you know, let's be honest. What's the college experience? A big part of it is meeting people. It's building your network. It's having access to the professors or the people who come on campus and the speakers and the, the, the great minds and all this type of thing. So yeah, if you're going to tell me I've been paying the same amount of money to sit at home and, and do courses online that I could do and you know probably for free nowadays, you'll probably find the same course material for free. It's it, yeah, it's an impossible argument, and I think, and of course, you know, I, I, maybe we'll segue into this, but I, I would say, if you're that college student, um, time to start your online business. Online business, business. Because, time, time to go online. Okay. Because it's uh, right, well, and you, know, I wanna, you can go back to school at some point. I know, and I totally agree with that because most of the success, information, knowledge, principles, whatever, that anyone can learn at any age right now. Mm-hmm. is available and, and and accessible without going and sitting somewhere for three, four, five, in my case, six years mm-hmm. <laughs> and spending a, a lot of money doing it. My last yeah. question about the future, and then I've got some questions specifically about creating an online business. And sure. do you consider yourself when you look at the future, when you observe the future, as we said in your intro, are you an optimist or a fatalist? And the reason I bring that up is that I find myself vacillating quite a bit at times. There are times like right now where I'm looking at some of the racial issues, Mm -hmm. some of the divisiveness, Mm -hmm. our political Mm -hmm. structure. Some of it probably is I need to read a a few less things than I read. And, but Mm -hmm. I find myself at times being extremely optimistic case. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. at times going, we're about to enter another dark ages so where do you stand on that? And and you're okay correcting me or, or coaching me on how I could do better. Well, no, I, I, I understand completely, you know, why people are afraid. And I am an optimist. I'll say that straight up front. I'm absolutely an optimist. Um, you look at, I, I'm very concerned about what's happening right now, because I know that there are people that are kind of, you know, curled up in a dark corner watching Netflix all day. Like they don't, you know, they're, they're terrified about what's happening in the world. Um, and I just feel like we have, we, we're again, and obviously horrible things have happened everywhere. Um, there's been difficulty for people. There have been just, you know, we, things that make us question everything and we, we get beyond it every single time. And, you know, this country, the United States has this, obviously this incredible history of division at the same time, having this position in the world of, of being this light of freedom and democracy. Yeah. And so we have to recognize that and keep the real vision and the real dream and, and so on of what we want and, and just keep pursuing it because I think that is where we're absolutely going to end up. And, and I think it, it could take a few years. We don't know. Obviously, there's no way to predict the future. There never has been. I mean, everyone's talking about this like now's the first time we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, <laughs> we never know what's going to happen. And, and obviously, it's a very difficult time for people. I know people have lost people and, and there's a lot of suffering. And obviously, with the economic situation the way it is. Um, but it, it is a call for us to 
to rally and think about, all right, this is the situation we're in. How do we give people encouragement? Um, so I think it's an incredible opportunity for anybody who's actually, instead of sort of curling up and stepping away, come forward and let's see what you can do and how you can contribute and how you can make changes and maybe make this like this incredible time in your life instead of, you know, pulling back. So yeah. that, that's, yeah, that's how I look. That's at very it. good. And I appreciate that optimistic view. And, and I think all of us uh, should adopt that. So what you just brought up was mindset. And so I want to kind of shift into this online thought process. Oh, I think I lost you there. And yeah, what I what I want to do, yeah, we might be getting oh. a few hiccups here. Hopefully they can be okay here. What I'd love to shift into is more of this online mindset of what is the mindset that people should have now that mm -hmm. are attempting to work, make money, uh, mm -hmm. You know, maybe they've been in what we'll call a geographic specific business. Yeah. Maybe they're not, maybe they're outplaced, but maybe this is a wake up call. Talk to us a little bit about taking control of their financial lives, what they need mm -hmm. to do. And, and then we're going to get into the book recast. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. I think first of all, so what you say, taking control, <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like right now and you'll feel much better when you start to think about that that you're going to be taking control that you're not going to just let everything happen to you you're going to figure out how you can make this work and i know i you know obviously it's difficult for people who depending you know if you could have been in, in a job you've had the same job for many years and now it's it's closed or whatever and you haven't had you haven't had to do a resume or or apply for a job or interview anywhere for a long time and so you're thinking what am i and what am i going to possibly be able to do and so you but you need to think about what I say is to assume you're going to do something. So start there. You're absolutely keeping your eyes open. A lot of people in history, even the most famous people you've heard of, their opportunities came because they were already thinking about looking for an opportunity. They always, they always had their eyes and ears tuned for something that they could do. And so that's what allows for something to come into your life and, and then you can move forward with it. So, Put yourself, first of all, and, you know, I would even say, like, formally, if you want to go online and look at some of the um, mindset gurus, there's lots of YouTube videos, the, the Tony Robbins and the Jim Rohn, I mean, sometimes that's just what you need to be reminded of, that that's a whole industry, but it's also, a lot of it's based in science, health, mental health, and so on, and if you want to just give yourself a, you know give an afternoon of that where you're just reminding yourself that you that this is a, an exercise you have to learn is how to train your brain <laughs> to work for you in that sense then then go ahead and do that as well i mean sometimes you just need to be reminded that this is something that we're not really taught this we obviously a lot of people go through life with this um, everything is supposed to be a certain way. And if it's not, they feel shame and they feel fear and so on. So it's not like you're taught how to have a success consciousness and focus your mindset on it positively. So if you need to spend some time, pick up the books or um, watch the videos or listen to the audio around that, then, then go ahead and do that because it is about retraining your brain to think that way, especially in a time like this. Yeah, and the reason that I bring that up is because I know that my journey, probably your journey too, everyone's journey, 
had you mentioned to me in 1990, shortly after I came out of university, uh, mm-hmm. that, hey, you're going to have an online business. First of all, the internet wasn't around really then. So <laughs> yeah. but, so that, that's a yeah. whole nother thing. I just really dated myself really bad. But um, but then, you know, we actually went through this process over the years. You know, we, we started homeschooling our children when we realized how flexible we became when we homeschooled our children. And yeah. we kind of took control yeah. of the education of our children. We were in charge of it mm-hmm. now. They mm-hmm. weren't sitting in some school for eight hours a day and then coming home and doing two hours of homework. Mm-hmm. And it gave us all kinds of time. And then later we moved away from where we were doing business. So I do think there's a process with it. So the the book, Recast, yes. 10 Practical Actions for Getting Started with an Online Business and Designing the Life of Your Dreams. Did I get that right? That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, that's, um, that's that's actually it. You'll see that it, it's it's a different subtitle I put ended up putting on the cover, but on the inside, it's the same story. That that's yeah, the ten ten actions to get started. I think it's a great. I think it's actually a great title. It has a lot of words there, but it's a great title because you've <laughs> captured a lot of things. You've got the word recast. You've got practical actions with a number ten of them. Getting started, which is always a good thing. Online business is good. And then the life of your dreams. You've put a lot of cool stuff right in that title. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the book. And then as we finish up here over the next few minutes, I'm going to ask you a few specific questions. Sure. Yeah. So recasting, that's my Hollywood uh, term for this. But instead of being replaced as, as the star of the movie, you are, you are taking over the role in your own life. From what you have now, I'm assuming that you don't like what you have now to what you really want to be doing. And in this case, I focus on using an online business to get you where Mm -hmm. you really want in life. So the first 10 actions are just literally that here's here's a path. Here's a guidebook for you to go one, two, three, go all the way through, starting with what I call take a deep breath. But it's what we were just talking about, developing your mindset and so on. The first five actions are all foundational. So these are things like your mindset, where, where to work. Because these are things that our people forget to do. And then they wonder why they get stuck. I will, I will say, why did you work on your business today? And it's like, no, you know, the, the kitchen table, the kids had the table and I couldn't work there. So I want that stuff out of the way right at the beginning. So the first five things are you organize where you want to work. You get your tools together. You get your schedule set. You remove distractions. I've got that all in the first five. And then we get into starting the business. So instead of just jumping online and trying to figure something out, we work through it systematically, starting with your business idea, you know, what's your business idea around your interests and your skills. And we go from there into how to do the research around your idea, enough research to get started, not research forever. <laughs> I know some people get into that. Uh, we talk about connecting with people, which is very difficult. A lot of business people, entrepreneurs talk about how their friends and family just think, you know, you're crazy, go get a real job, you know, I say in quotation marks and, and really, you know, you have to work through that. And then I talk about an action plan. There's no business plan unless you're meeting with venture capitalists from day one, which very few are, you want to be doing an action plan. What are the activities you're going to do? The action plan, of course, is very flexible. It's fluid. It goes back and forth. You keep changing it. And then you get started. And each action is just movement forward. And as long as you can keep doing that, you're eventually going to get there. Because the, the key in all, I, I've seen, you know, I, I read a lot of biographies, not autobiographies. I read a lot about a lot of the popular sort of entrepreneurs, the, the running thread through everybody is they just kept doing the work. <laughs> like it didn't matter, you know, things. 
And I don't even want to call it failure because everything was an incremental learning step onto the next thing. So, um, you know, you just keep going. And, and the difference between those who make it and those who don't is giving up. So as long as you don't give up, as long as you keep tweaking your business to suit you know, your audience, your potential community, your potential customers, you might have a good idea, but you have, your marketing's not working or your product's not up to speed or your service. So you just keep iterating, 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 and eventually it will all click and then you can be on your way. Yeah, that's excellent. That's the, all right, here's that's a, the message of Recast, yeah. Here's a tough question. I'm, I'm gonna get inside mm -hmm. the listener's head and I'm gonna ask a question. Do you think that anyone can do this or is there a profile? Is there a qualifier? Is there anything that would prevent some people from not being able to mm -hmm. do something online? No, it's anyone who's willing to do the work. So the only qualifier is that you're willing to do the work. I, as far as I can tell, entrepreneurs come from every background. <laughs> they have every type of education, experience, knowledge, circumstances. I mean, again, I've been reading a lot of the people's backstories and so on. They just, it, entrepreneurs are coming from everywhere. But the difference between them and maybe their friends or some other person who said they were going to start the business is the successful entrepreneur keeps at it. So if you're that kind of person who feels like you don't want to give up your social life or you don't want to give up watching, you know, videos all day, or you, you don't, you know, you just want to, to lie in, 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 on the floor and, and <laughs> stare at the ceiling or whatever, then you're not going to, you're, you, then you don't have the entrepreneur's profile. Okay. Then I'll concede that it's not for everybody. But if you're, you know, anyone who also is willing to do the work and by that, I, it's not even so much that it's difficult or anything like that, but it can be like I said, it's iterative. So it ha it can be tedious. Like, the, oh, I, you know, you need to tweak your Facebook ad or you need to change this landing page. Or you're talking about the document I did. You know, I, I wrote that document a few years ago. I better update it now, you know? Like, so these things keep coming up and you have to be prepared for that and keep going and going and going. And so you have to be that person who can hang on and not be afraid and just keep pushing through. If you've got a nine to five, you have to make time around your job. If you don't have a nine to five and you need money coming in, well, then you got to, you know, you really got to spend 18 hours a day, maybe just doing these different things to try and get something to work. So if you're that type of person, then yes, then absolutely you, you could be an entrepreneur. So is, is online business, is it, you know, there's a lot of discussion now about uh, wage disparity, about, mm -hmm. you know, different identities, either either race or, or sex or whatever, gender and things like that. Is the Internet, is it the great equalizer? Would online business be an equalizer for a lot of those things that are divisive in our culture? Yes or no? I'm, I'm trying to make it yes. But at the same time, I have seen one dominant de demographic around the successful. Okay. So if you, um, oh, well, here's a perfect example. When I went on Instagram a couple of years ago and I put in entrepreneur, I probably, I would say the first at least 20, 30 faces I saw were all white men, like for sure. Like all the big names, if you could think of them, you know, you know who they are. Probably everybody knows who they are. So those are the names that all come up. So you, it begs the question. Here's something that's very new, and yet it's still dominated by one demographic. So why? And so then you have to dig into it further. And this is where I, this is what I've really been looking at, because in the last few years that I've been doing this, 
this is what I've been focusing on is trying to figure out why people don't keep going if they start a business or why they're not successful. What's the, what seems to be going on? What seems to be the barrier? And I'm very interested in like how people really got started. I want to know, you know, I want to know how you made that first dollar. Where did you find that first customer? And I find that a lot of the gurus don't say, you know, you hear a lot of stories that say, oh, we started in poverty and now they're millionaires. But wait, what happened in between? I don't, and I mean, really happened. Like, what was that very first dollar? And so that's what I've been trying to get at. And I'm still investigating. <laughs> my, my investigation is ongoing because, I'm trying, because there shouldn't be a barrier. So I would say, based on the fact that you have to keep doing the work, you know, there shouldn't be a barrier. Um, so is there then, is it a bigger social problem? Not so problem, but is it a bigger just way that society is set up that people who have a lot of free time, you know, are also people that are like that are just in general in society are doing well. So they have a lot of free time. So therefore they can spend all their time on their business. Uh, maybe they're supported by their families and so on. Maybe a lot of women are not supported by their families. Maybe people struggling in urban areas don't have, you know, the resources. So therefore they have technically all the capabilities in the world, but the other piece of the story that might have supported people along the way might be missing. So that's what I'm trying to figure out because it seems to me that it should be wide open to everybody and absolutely be an opportunity to be um, a, a financial security for a lot more people. And that's what I would encourage for sure is for people who are looking for opportunity this is, I mean, obviously no guarantees about you'll make money or anything, but this is a chance. And just based on the same subject, who is underserved in everything that's out there in the world today? That's where your opportunity lies because online business is about finding your niche and delivering products or services for that niche. Right. So, or niche, or some people say niche. Yeah, niche so, or niche, it depends niche, on where you're from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, if, and I mean this for everything across the board, for education, entertainment, you know, food, nutrition, gardening, you know, travel, whatever. So if you're in a niche that you think does not, ha is not being served in any particular area, there's your opportunity. You just, uh, you are now in business because that is where you will then focus your attention. And mo so many businesses in general are built by the people who can't find what they want. <laughs> you know, they go out and say, I can't find this. It's too frustrating. I'm starting my own business. So think, so if you're in a demographic that you think that you're not getting what you want, that, the, that the, you know, everybody's missed you, there's your opportunity, start your business, target it at your demographic and build it from there. That is, that is so good. And I appreciate your, um, your honesty in discussing that because, mm -hmm. you know, there is situations where someone has a head start or mm -hmm. I, I've thought about that recently in the podcast world and also doing some things I'm doing. And I see people that start a podcast and they're, you know, at a million downloads quickly and I'm going, well, you know, they were a celebrity when they started mm -hmm. their podcast. I've mm -hmm. never been a celebrity and right. so uh, that I'm aware right. of if I have it's been right. stealth no one told me about it <laughs> and um but like you said and, and you know what it could be this thing that if you're not concerned about where you're going to get your next meal it might be easier to be creative and think about yes. the, the business that you're trying to create 
even though on the flip side, there have been times that I've been thinking about my next meal and it motivated me to get my bit. So, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I, and that's the story for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, we could be doing case. We could be trying to make a formula out of something that is not formulaic is it mm. could be it, which is interesting. All right. One yeah. kind of next to last with four wrap up questions. Yeah. I would love for you to give the listener that is sitting here going, I really do want to start something online. Mm -hmm. I really mm -hmm. do think that I want to get some of these skills, change my mindset, whatever. I would love for you to just in, 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 a, in a minute or so here, give just a get started, just a basic tool. Obviously get the book. We'll tell them in a little while how they can get the book, when and where. But but just what can they be doing right now? Let's say they've got a little bit mm -hmm. of time. They've got less distractions. Maybe they're mm -hmm. at home mm -hmm. already or mm -hmm. whatever. G give some teaching here. What should they do? Yeah. So if you have no idea what your business idea is at all, I always say start with your interests. So start writing it down or get your tablet or however you like to do it. And go beyond your education and work experience because again we were talking about this earlier a lot of people think they have to be an expert with credentials and so they think oh well my education is this and my work experience is that and that's all there is to it but actually think about all your interests and skills i talk about in um in one of my webinars i talk about seeing cassidy tuttle who's the owner of succulents and sunshine she received a succulent that's a plant <laughs> i didn't know at the time <laughs> she received a succulent as a gift knew absolutely nothing about it. She was the one person who knew nothing about how to manage succulents and built a business around that whole concept. Of, and because it turns out there were thousands of other people who didn't know what to do with it. And, and so she built this business. Now it's information, it's a blog, it's a store, it's courses, it's all these things around something she knew nothing about. But she was interested enough in it to start doing the research. So what was the last thing that you heard about, that you got a gift around, something that you did a bunch of research for, and then what did you do with the research? Aggregating that information into a website in an organized way that people can find it is the start of a business. You know, when you're online, what are people doing online? They're searching, searching on Google, searching on Amazon, searching on Facebook. Even if you're just scrolling, looking for a cat video, you're searching, like you're searching for entertainment. There, that's all people are doing, like constantly searching. So there's all these requests out there in the world of things that people want. And if you're interested in it, and you've done a lot of that searching yourself, and now you take it and organize it, it doesn't have to be a blog, it could be a podcast, it could be a YouTube video, you could, or you could become an affiliate marketer, you could find somebody else who's making those products, and maybe other people don't know about it. So you, you know, create a place where people could find those products, you could just promote on social media, there's so many different ways to do it. So start with all your interests, not just education and work experience, all your hobbies, everything you like, you know, movies, I don't know, celebrities, like <laughs> all the stuff that you like, start there with your interests, and then pick your passion within that interest. So, okay, you like gardening, but you don't really, you know, you, you don't, can't do everything around it. So what do you really like about it? You like the plants? Like, are you interested in the different types of plants? Are you interested in how to manage soil? Are you interested in water conservation? Like, what, you know, there's something. So within your interest, what's your passion? And then you go from there to pick the platform you'd like to operate on. So again, people debate this. Oh, email's finished. No, email's the biggest thing. Oh, podcasts are rising. No, video's the biggest thing. 
pick one you like. <laughs> so you like to talk, you want to have a podcast, you like to write, you want to have a blog. There's tens of millions of blogs. Blogs are not over. Uh, there's tens of millions of people everywhere on all the platforms. So pick the one you like. And if you're not sure which one you like, which is the one you use? Where's the one you spend time on? If you say, I don't like any of the platforms, but you're on Facebook all day, then maybe start building your world, you know, your business world on Facebook, because that's where you are all day anyway. So you work your way through your interest, your passion within that particular interest, the platform you want to operate on, but then the absolute key is the content. Because again, you can have a great idea, but if you aren't presenting it in a way, you have to know who your audience is. So we talked about this a bit earlier, you pick your niche, you pick the demographic, it doesn't even have to be a demographic because it could be an idea, right? So I, I, for me, it's everybody, all the aspiring online authors, I'm at the beginning of the process to help you prepare to, to go online with your business. So I, for me, it's the, if you have business ideas in your head and you're interested in this, then this is where you start with Ready Entrepreneur. So you could do it that way. You could do it, but, but you could also have a particular demographic, but you have to think about your content. What is your unique perspective and know what that is and spend time on this. Spend time like years. Pick up days or whatever brains. When you do, you're the automatic leader. You're number one in your world. You just created it. <laughs> and so don't think about competition. I always say there's no competition. Because once you've got that unique perspective out there, then everything you do, all your social posts are going to be to that perspective, all your pictures, all your blogs, all your podcasts, everything will be around that. So once you've figured out what it is and you put it out there and you stick with it, don't, you know, you can obviously adjust it depending on how your community is responding, but don't let people kind of just say, oh, that's stupid or whatever, like that happens and don't, you know. Don't let them completely derail you. If you have an idea in your head, you probably got it from something you saw, some problem you saw, some solution you wanted to offer, like it came from somewhere, right? So, you know, sure, take good constructive feedback and make adjustments, but stick with your overall idea because you obviously have something that you're, you're a solution that's aimed at a particular niche and they're, they're looking for a product or service to help them. And so that's the road that you're on to actually reach out there and help them make sure that they can find that and have that solution. Yeah, Case, that was such good information that you shared there. And I mean, I wrote down, you know, what are your interests, your passion, you know, the platform and then the content that was so good. And you know, two things came to my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, it does not have to be a huge change the world type message no. recently. I, uh, I heard of three ladies that love going to Disney World and they okay. had started a blog and now mm -hmm. they're doing a podcast and it is doing mm -hmm. extremely well. And of course, they're getting yeah. free passes and all these type yeah. things going yeah. to Disney World. But and then another one we joked about earlier, we said people that sit around and watch Netflix all day long, mm -hmm. they may not be the mm -hmm. people. But if somebody's a big fan of Stranger Things or some Netflix mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. They could start blogging or yeah, absolutely <laughs> or Netflix review site. Hey, right now everybody wants to know what to watch. You come up with a good site that helps people figure out what to watch on Netflix. <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> I should say, you know, where's the money? People always say, well, where's the money made? And I'll just do quickly, quickly. 
advertising is the big one. You know, people put up, can, you can put ads on your website. So your website will probably cost you money. It could be, you know, not, it could be a few dollars a month, whatever for hosting, but you're the, being in an advertising program does not cost you money. You get paid when they click on the ads. So that's one of the big ones. And obviously sponsorships, and then people go even bigger from that. They start to create courses, they write books, they do speaking, um, run conferences, you know, and so on. But most people just, I know a lot of people ask that question, like, how do you make money from yeah. the blog? And I'm just going to say just quickly that advertising is the, the Yeah, that's that so works. good. So somewhere out there, there's a listener, either a he or a she that's listening to this. Mm -hmm. And they're either going to elbow their spouse or partner, or when they get home from their car or whatever, they're going to say, I just listened to podcast. I told you that I could make money watching Netflix. <laughs> That's not exactly what we said, but they're, <laughs> they're going to do that. Aren't they? Well, well, if you want ideas around that, make sure you contact me and I'll help yeah. you out to cover it, yeah, <laughs> to yeah, cover yeah. you with your spouse. <laughs> Case, what a great conversation we've had. I've enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Can you do something, just last couple of questions here. Can you tell us how people can connect with you, get some additional resources? I know you've got a lot of resources available and just mm -hmm. let them know. We'll include it in the notes, but also just let them know here. Yeah. Uh, so please come over to readyentrepreneur.com. That is my website. You'll find lots of free resources, blogs, the pod links to the podcast, as well as some downloadable items there. You can reach out on email, contact case at readyentrepreneur.com. And you can find me on social. It's readyentrepreneur at case lane. And uh, for those on Facebook live, you know, recast is available now. It's on Amazon. It's, it's discounted this week, the week of August third, fourth, a week of August 4th. It's a 99 cents. So you can get it uh, discounted this week. And, but for everybody else, it will still be up on Amazon, of course, and, and the, and the other sites when you, um, when you hear the podcast. So the book is recast by Case Lane. Excellent. Yeah, definitely get that. That sounds exciting. What's next for you? You know, someone who's an observer of the future. I love to ask this question. Mm -hmm. What's next for someone who observes the future? <laughs> I am, uh, I'm always writing. So I actually have three fiction book series. And I've always got the next books in mind. And, I, and I'm thinking of um, the life online books as we talk about the future. I'm definitely looking at that. There's, people are wondering about how to write about how society functions in new books coming out. Do you write that people are wearing masks in a romance? Do you write that the mask comes off, you know, <laughs> before the big kiss? So it's... <laughs> Uh, as of right now, I'm sticking with the way the world worked before uh, March 1st, but um, but we'll see. We'll see how, how entrenched this all becomes and if we start writing completely differently in the, in the future. But for now, yeah, I, I'm looking at, I'm continuing to, I'll be promoting recast for a little while because I'll also have the audio book coming out in a month and then the print book will be out a month after that. And I, I always continue to think about when I want to sit down and start writing my next fiction book. And I have my podcast is out every week. That's the Ready Entrepreneur podcast. And then I write blogs as well. I keep up with that. So uh, I always, I'm always busy. I, I don't, there's, a, there's no slowdown when you're in the online world. It's, there's no slowdown in, in, your, in your work because your infrastructure is very much, as long as we've got the internet, is very much up and functioning every day. It's very, very 24-7. The lights don't yeah. go out on the internet. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating too. I was, I was actually reading through doing some final edit on my book, wondering if mm -hmm. any of the plot points would change because of what's mm -hmm. going on with culture right now. And yeah. I've kind of like you, I've kind of made the decision now I'm going to, it's kind of a pre type thing. So mm -hmm. case, the title of this podcast is seek 
go create. Mm-hmm. Which one of those words jumps out at you and why and explain that? Well, I'm definitely create to jumps out at me. as how we talk about, uh, I, for me, it's, I feel that it's almost, um, I want to say it's just what, what I'm going to be doing for, for as long as I possibly can, because ideas come into my head. And when people talk about how they get up in the morning and they check their phone for text, if I pick up my phone, it's to type ideas in that came into my head overnight. You know, I just, it's, it's always there. And I feel that that means that, that that's my role to continue to um, provide solutions as much as I can to help people see where they can move forward with the path to have a better life, to, to live out the life of dreams. I really think that people are on earth to do good things and, and to have a great life. And it's not, that's why, again, I'm the optimist. I don't want, you know, I know people are really scared about different things that are going on right now, but I don't think that's our purpose in life is to sort of fade away. Um, it, it's, to, it's to constantly be moving forward and doing better and coming up with solutions and so on. So create from, from scratch, create from what you see, um, from what, you know, what others are doing, but you, you do them in a different way for other people. Just it constantly putting it out there and letting it help build a better world as we move forward. Wow. That is, that is so good. Case, thank you for joining us on the Seat Go Create podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to share with us. You really do embody my kind of one of my, I don't even know if it's the ulterior motive, but my motive is just to talk to cool (laughs) and interesting people with the microphone and recorder going. And you definitely fit that bill. If you are listening and you would like to continue this conversation, we welcome you and encourage you to do that. Go to seekgocreate.com, just those three words together, seekgocreate.com to connect on this specific episode page, or you can contact us there. When you visit the site, give us your best email address and you'll never miss an episode. And we actually have some extra bonus items that we'd love to give you for free. And from time to time, we give additional bonus items. So definitely do that at seekgocreate.com. Also, you can find us and communicate on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those places we are Seek Go Create and uh, comment and be active there. We are in all likelihood going to start giving away some prizes for our most active people on those social media platforms. So just go, go ahead and get started with that now. Thank you again for joining us. We look forward to connecting with you on the Seek Go Create podcast in the near future.